All right, this is Chris Ryan for Tell the Damn Story. I'm here with Teal James Glenn, one of the authors here at Deadly Inc. Writers Conference in Central Jersey. Teal, how you been? I'm good, I'm good. It's been a great convention. So talk to me about your, right. Uh, well, first let's go to your background. What is your background as far as uh, evolution into a writer? Um, well, I, I always told stories. Um, I did comic strips when I was a kid and was storyteller and thought I would go to art school to support my writing habit, which <laughs> is a very bad idea. But um, day before graduation from art school, I met a guy at a party who was auditioning somebody for a film, and I got a part in it and ended up needing someone to storyboard the fights. And I knew I'd do that because I was a fan of the old movie serials. And that led me down the rabbit hole into doing stunt work and fight choreography. And so I was a stuntman for 40-something years. Wow. Um, Can you all, name some of the stuff you were in? Yeah, all, all the New York soap operas, uh, Spencer for Hire, uh, Equalizer, a lot of bad low-budget movies that show up on USA Cable. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and eventually, um, somewhere along the way, I got back to my writing. Um, I always wrote, right. but I got back to being serious. I mean, I sold some, I sold stuff to Mad Magazine and mm -hmm. Deadly Hands of Kung Fu while I was still in college. Sure. But um, I got back to my writing, and uh, the cyber age had come along. I sent some stuff out electronically. A publisher liked it, and I kind of haven't looked back because I figure I can always fall down, but eventually I won't get up. Right. So uh, writing will then be the thing that keeps me in my old age. <laughs> what a fool I am. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about some of your titles. What are, what are the, some of the stuff that you've done? Um, I have the Doctor of Shadows series, Shadows of New York, Manchurian Shadows, and Year of Shadows just came out. Uh, he's a 1930s adventurer detective, uh, somewhat in a, a more realistic Doc Savage mold. Um, mm -hmm. I have the Maxi Moxie Donovan series. He's a reporter, Irish reporter from New York. She's a Jewish chorus girl that meet making a movie on Governor's Island with Bela Lugosi. Um, fall in love, get married. Uh, she gets a contract in California Universal, and in 1938 they go to California, and he becomes a flack for the studios. And it's sort of the X-Files meets Nick and Nora Charles. Great. All of the mysteries are weird. Some of them are actual occult, and some of them are not. Um, but somehow Nazis are always bad in every one of them. I don't know why. You know those Nazis. Uh, and I have uh, standalones like The Clockwork Nutcracker, which is a steampunk book. Um, uh, the Exceptionals, which is a bio-enhanced bounty hunters in the far future. Okay. And um, I've written in pretty much every genre except math textbooks, because I can't add two numbers in a row. <laughs> So um, why uh, the 1930s? Um... I actually, I started writing, uh, The Doctor Shadows was the first of the series I wrote. and I've, I've got other stories in that period too. To me, 37 to 39 was when the world changed. Mm -hmm. That was when there was still a sense of innocence, but it was sort of like the teenage years of the century. Mm -hmm. um, they... They were just beginning to feel their oats and think, wow, we can pull this together. Meanwhile, clouds were beginning to form in Europe and in Manchuria. And so um, it's a, a period I love the films from. 
that I'm familiar with. And uh, I think if you write something that you love to research, it's never work. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and that I, I never, ever, ever wanted to do period writing. I always thought, God, this would be so foolish because there's so much research. And now there's that. I've got series of books set in the 1890s. I, you know, it's a rabbit hole. It's um, amazing. Um, so how, let's talk about your writing uh, uh, habits, your writing process. What's it like? What do you do? Um, I wake up, I turn on the computer, um, I stare at the screen, I do Facebook, and sometimes <laughs> I make words. Um, I, I'm a very slow writer. Mm -hmm. um, people keep saying, you're incredibly prolific. It's because I just, I write all the time. I don't write. I, at one point, I was doing 1,500 words every day, all the time. And that got me um, uh, a lot of material out. Because when you think about it, that's a novel every you know couple of months. Sure. But um, as I got other work, uh, that slowed down a bit. I'm coming back up to that again. Mm -hmm. But um, basically, if I'm home, I'm writing. Um, if I'm out, I'm thinking about writing. Um, and... Um, I mean, I still teach sword. Um, I still do film work, uh, but uh, I made the decision 15 years ago that really this is the direction I truly wanted to go in, and I just love writing. I love, I love words. Sure. Now you mentioned before, you know, when I'm not writing, I'm thinking about writing. Do you count that as part of your process, as part of writing? Absolutely. Uh, watching movies. Uh, reading books, looking at photographs of the 1890s, to me it's all part of the process because it, it's the iceberg. You know, the, the actual finished book, as everybody who writes knows, is, is a small part of it because I have to know what was the popular radio show that month. I have a, a Dr. Shadows story where he's in the Metropolitan Museum and I needed to know what was on the walls in that exhibit in that month because the more real things I can put in my not real stories, the more real it feels to everyone. Sure, sure, sure. Now, as far as the writing itself, are you a plotter or a pantser? Um, one of the, the books that means the most to me is Murder Most Fair, which is a, a murder mystery set at a Renaissance fair. Mm -hmm. It's about a choreographer whose best friend uh, is thrown out of a five-story window. He finds the body has to tell the widow, and then go on with putting the fare on, and at the same time find, uh, does detective work to find the killer. 75% of that is true. I did lose my best friend. I did find the body. I was putting on a fare at the time. Uh, and so um, that, I wrote the death scene first because it was real, put it in a drawer. Two years later, I pulled it out and started to fashion a mystery around it. Mm -hmm. And that's probably the book I work the hardest on because I had to take real facts and real people and being as true to them as I could, craft a mystery. Mm -hmm. And um, I finished it two weeks before my daughter was born, put it in a drawer, pulled it out eight years later. Wow, okay. And went back in, cleaned it up, sent it out, got it published and uh, his real widow did the afterword for the book Great. Uh, wow. because it's my tribute to him mm -hmm. um, and at the same time people have told me it's a pretty good mystery because they didn't get it 
you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if I'll ever write anything quite that personal, but at the same time, it taught me how to write a mystery. I'd never really written a puzzle misery, mystery before. So did you have to outline it, plot, you know, write uh, your, your ideas first, or how did this work for you? I, I, had, um, I had an image that I wanted of the very last scene in it, which would be the, the justice moment, revenge scene on mm-hmm. the joust field in the rain with swords. And I had the death scene. And then I had to figure out how to get from that to the end mm-hmm. with a succession of clues and mystery elements. And so um, I probably wrote 20 outlines as I shifted scenes and moved stuff around and said, you know, I need to foreshadow this, but I need to create something for this. And at the same time, it's it's very Roman Clef in that it's based on a lot of real people I knew. Right. Um, and uh, so it, it was hard juggling that. And I, it is the most crafted book. Generally, I'm, I'm kind of a pantser, but I will... Uh, certainly for mysteries, I have a, a, a an idea of the end. I, with novels, I really like to know the last sentence of the book before I start it. Okay. So I have a distant vision of where I'm going. Even if I stray off, I can come back to that. But for this, I read a number of books on constructing mysteries and and read lots of mysteries and and tried to craft something that really was a puzzle. Um, I'm a big fan of the Spencer books. I appear on Spencer for Hire. Mm-hmm. I got my clock cleaned by Hawk. Oh, um, did you? <laughs> yes, yes. I call him a clown, and he beat me up, um, <laughs> as one would expect. And um, But his were not... Th- th- those books are so character and right. less mystery that I really had to go to a little more traditional because I wanted this to be a real puzzle story. Right. Although there's a I lot of that... I really love the first four Spencer novels. Yeah, well, Wait, I'll tell you, I'm going to say, I, I think actually Godwolf Manuscript is the weakest of them. Okay. The book, the, the series takes off the minute Susan comes into it in the second. And and right there, yes, I believe those next three are the strongest, yeah. up to maybe Widening Geyer when, yeah. when she leaves him. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, Casca Legal, actually. Right, right. Um, uh, but, but so I, I had to be a little more traditional in the structure, but I like to keep that emotional feeling of uh, the connectiveness of the of the that the emotional life of the characters the one thing that i missed at most mysteries uh the the detective's buddy wife friend gets shot killed he mourns for a chapter or two gets drunk tries to find the bad guy finds the bad guy and has a drink at the end to me that's very weak mm-hmm. The thing about the Spencer books that he got, and this is why I, it, I was drawn to them, when Susan leaves him, sorry to be a spoiler, guys, um, mm-hmm. he, her absence in the next three books is so physically felt, right. it literally as if theirs was a death. Oh, yeah. And I wanted that to be part of Murder Most Fair. When his friend dies, the rest of the book, he is so physically not there. There's yeah. so much that um, that you know that he's going to mourn him forever. It's 32 years now, and I still wear a beret because of my friend. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to me, that's what needed to happen in the mystery. So I had to build that into the... That's the Spencer part of the mystery, and the rest is that right. very traditional. All right, so 
when you're writing? Do you get all the way through the draft and then do the, the rewrites? Um, yes, although I will... I will. Oh my gosh, they're coming for us. Um, I will. I will um, sometimes work a chapter and and um, almost loop back. Right. So I'll do one or two, two chapters, three chapters, and then I'll go back and I'll I'll clean up those first two or three while my mind is working on the next piece. So that very often by the time I get to the book, the end of the book, it'll three quarters of the book would be actually second or third draft already. Right, okay. Um, and I have so one... So you kind of rewrite a little bit during the process? Yes, I, I you know, um, I will agonize, I will agonize over the first sentence and the last sentence of the book, sometimes longer than over whole chapters. Okay. Because you, if you don't have a good opening, they ain't going to come in. Right. Okay. Um, so when you've gone through the draft and you feel like, all right, this is kind of where I want to go. What's the cleanup like? What's the what's what's the rewriting process like? Um, just that it's slogging through. It's um, making sure their their eye color is the same in all the chapters. Sure, sure. That um, characters who should not use certain phrases don't use them. Um, that other characters are consistent in their actions. Um, I was writing one thing and. Um, when I went, I actually like rewriting. I like going back like mm-hmm. a, a month or two later. When I finish something, I'll put it aside for a week or two at least. But sometimes I go back and um, I was going through and I, and I went, wait a minute, he's he, four guys come in the room. He's fighting three guys here. What happened to the fourth guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like this guy just disappeared. And I'm like, I don't need some editor to slap me around and tell me that. So I, I, I that's try battle to, math. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He just evaporated. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I try to be consistent with that, um, uh, but I, I do like that process of cleaning it up because the specificity of the words matter to me. Sure. You know. Um, are you a? Uh, 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 do you compose on computer, longhand? What do you do? Actually, um, any and all. I haven't done the dictation thing yet. Yeah. Uh, I actually, Carol Geisander was talking about that. I kind of want to try it one of these days. Mm-hmm. But there's a little bit of a process in getting getting it to recognize you as, as what you have to say. Um, but, but the, um, once you get it down, you can say, yeah, I, I, I've heard it. Basically you have to learn to say comma, uh, what you exactly want. Exclamation point. Yeah. I I have a feeling I'll feel like Victor Borga for a while. (laughs) Um, But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm interested because Rod Serling dictated all his work, but he was doing scripts and it makes sense for scripts. I've written screenplays and it makes sense that I would write with a partner and we'd talk it out and then Mm -hmm. write down what we said. So that makes sense that way. Um, I'll still want to craft it with my eyes after the fact, mm-hmm. but but you know I write longhand. I, I wrote probably my first five books in notebooks longhand. Mm-hmm. I still always carry a notebook with me in case I get an idea. Right. Um, For me, it's index cards, but okay. Yeah. Uh, with screenplays, yeah. I, I would write on index cards. That's yeah. the whole you could arrange scenes all, around. All around, sure. Yeah. You know, um, but you see the little notebooks I carry, I can rip out pages and move them move around, around if I need too. to. So it works. Um, it works. But yeah, so like I will do partial outlines. I'll, I'll maybe have an idea for a scene. When I was first writing books, I would like clip things out of papers about weird facts and stuff mm-hmm. and put them in a folder, and ideas or scenes or pieces of dialogue. And when the folder got thick enough, I was ready to write a book. That's fascinating. That's great. Um, 
where are you published? Um, uh, Most Fair is from Postmortem Press. Uh, it's on Amazon. Um, Books for a Buck has the Maxi Moxie and the Dr. Shadows series. Mm-hmm. Um, Pro Se Productions has uh, Clockwork Nutcracker. Um, my Gideon Sin series, which is set in, not only in the same world as Dr. Shadows, he lives in the next building. <laughs> That's um, fantastic. Uh, you know, I've, it's... Any crossover? Yeah, yes, actually. Some, he's actually sometimes will guest teach a class oh, for right. Dr. Shadows. Um, <laughs> it, um, and, and like, uh, Dr. Shadows will be reading an article by Moxie Donovan. Um, and there's a... Uh, Dr. Shadows has, unlike... Uh, Doc Savage has allowed himself to be commercialized so he could use the money for hospitals. Okay. So there was a a, a, a Doctor Shadows serial starring uh, Ray Crash Corrigan, and there's a radio show, uh, and that will show up playing in the background of other stories. Oh, that's great. Um, so you know, I'm not quite Balzac, but there is like that that's that pulp verse, you know. But uh, yes, and I've got coming out from Pro Se, I have. Um, the uh, Frontier Magic, The uh, Weird Adventures of Declan Blade, which is, uh, if you took Conan and, and Daniel Boone, it's set in, in the 16, uh, 1760s. And Wait, I have to kind of get my brain around Conan and Daniel Boone mixed together. Well, okay. it, it's Frontier Adventures where he gets involved in magic. Wow, uh, okay. Like, like the Aquilonia Adventures in, right. in Conan. And then... So like buckshot and sorcery. Uh, pretty much. Oh, sorcery. Tom, actually, I call it tomahawk and sorcery. Tomahawk and sorcery. And, uh, and then... The first of a trilogy is coming out in November, Cowboy in Carpathia, where I postulate what would happen if Robert E. Howard didn't kill himself. Wow. He takes the legacy money from his mother and travels the world. And the first adventure, he ends up in England, meets um, uh, Gwendolyn Harker, who is Wilhelmina Harker's daughter, okay. and eventually ends up in Carpathia facing off against the Prince of Wallachia. That's fascinating. Uh, fascinating. And that, and the second book uh, comes out next year, and he, he goes up against um, Yug Sugoth from the Cthulhu Mythos. Wow. Um, that is amazing. And I, I, I will top it for the third book, but I'm not going to give away what that okay. is. <laughs> Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. So, where is all of this stuff available? It's all available on Amazon. Uh, Smashwords for most of it. Uh, a couple of them, uh, the Gideon Sin, are available in audiobook as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like I said, Postmortem Press, Books for Buck, and uh, Pro Se Productions have most of my books. Fantastic. All right, Teal James Glenn, thank you for telling me how you tell all those damn stories. Uh, they're the best thing in the world, stories. I agree. Thank Excellent. You. Thanks a lot. Thank you.